ultimate authority must always rest with the individual's own reason and critical analysis. Dalai Lama. Wreck. and welcome back to Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard, and uh, with me today is Derek Carter. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Derek. Hi, my name is Derek Carter. I used to work with Zach at a fun-filled retail job, and I've been a horror fan all my life. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we used to work at a, a little grocery store, uh, super rundown, super um, shady at times, so that was always fun. Uh, Derek actually introduced me to Rec um, while we were working there. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. I love the movie a ton. Um, it's a really, really good movie. And I, I wonder if there's like any more Spanish films that they've made, uh, that are as good as that. I know one of the filmmakers went off to do a thriller called Sleep Tight, which is a, I don't know if you could classify it as a horror movie. It's more of a psychological thriller with horror elements, but it's about a maintenance worker at an apartment building who basically makes everybody's life miserable because he has keys to their apartment and he studies what they like and dislike and it's pretty messed up but worth watching okay that sounds cool uh so um i i really i was really like fascinated with the acting this time around after after like watching it again um and having more acting training i thought the acting was so well done and and they show times where they were just lingering on people and showing like their thought processes and their their emotions a lot, and I thought that was really effective and really cool. This movie hits differently in twenty twenty one for sure. It it doesn't feel like it's aged at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the story is great. I love the found footage aspect. It it it's hard to do found footage where it feels natural, and and they did it where it felt really really natural. I mean, it makes sense with it with it being a cameraman and a reporter uh, documenting these guys. Um, I wanted to mention this one shot that I really liked, uh, where they look down on the stairwell and all of the infected are looking up and screaming. I, I love stairwell work so much. So I really appreciated that. That shot is the stuff of nightmares. There, there are a lot of scenes in this movie. That's pretty good nightmare fuel. I feel. What were your thoughts on sort of what you thought the theme or the themes are for this movie. So I guess the big one that immediately sticks out, and I guess you could say this about really any found footage movie, is why would they keep recording when their life is in danger? But I guess with the amount of footage we can just pull up on YouTube and watch people going viral in dangerous situations, I guess the question is more, why wouldn't they keep recording in this day and age? And, and I think the reason why they wanted to keep recording at least one of them is um because they wanted to document these people basically like leaving them to die and and not you know giving them information and especially that one asshole cop that that kept that was pretty unhinged and kept uh um like wanting the camera to be turned off and i noticed that a lot of people like most of the people within authority positions didn't want the camera to be on but the people the people that lived in the apartment complex were like no keep recording so we can show people that they're they're basically killing us um and i thought that was interesting when they send in that one uh, medical guy 
to, I guess, do the tests on everything. That's one of the first things he says when he walks in is, why is there a TV crew here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't want it. They don't want this getting out. They want it to be a secret. And you learn more about why in the next movie. But it's, I, I found it really, really fascinating. And it, it seemed like the cop knew more than he was letting on. I'm not sure though. Um, it just sort of seemed like he was like just blindly following orders, um, no matter what. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that was his like personality or something, but yeah, he, it, it just seemed like he knew more than he was letting on. And I mean, if he was blindly following orders, when you're put in a situation like that, you've got, I guess, two choices, go with what you're being told or try to go inside that. But in the situation they were in, I don't think he had much else to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to touch on a little bit how at the, at the beginning there was so much, I don't want to say dramatic. I will, I guess kind of dramatic irony. Cause you go in knowing it's a horror film, knowing it's uh it's a zombie film. Well, maybe, I don't know, but you go in knowing the type of film it is. And then all these people are like having an enjoyable time. And like the firefighters are mentioning, like, hopefully nothing happens tonight. You know, that we don't want anything like bad to happen. And, um, it was the reporter that like wanted something interesting and like, like big to happen. And she sort of got it Careful what <laughs> for you wish sure. For <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But I just thought it was interesting. Like the, like the lighthearted nature at the very beginning of the, at the very beginning of the movie and how quickly that shifted. Like, it was just, they were going to let a woman out of her apartment, and then things just went south. So I wanted to know your thoughts on that a little bit. Well, and I I think you can just, you can separate the movie into two distinct halves pacing-wise, too. Because for the first half of the movie, the movie's only, like, 75 minutes. It is not a long movie at all. And even in that time, the first half feels deliberately slow in some parts. Like, you get interviews with the apartment residents. You get all this tension building up. And then in the second half, things just go to hell, and it just does not stop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a little lull in the middle of the second half where she's interviewing all the residents, um, like you said. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, I just thought, I thought it was interesting. Like, we, we never know when something, like, terrible is going to happen, even when, like, we're, like, having a good time. And, and, like, something that awful, like, well, maybe not a zombie virus breaking out but like something tragic can happen just immediately and we have no idea that it's going to happen and i think it just sort of showed like how how quickly your life can shift in an instance you know mm-hmm. um so i wanted to i wanted to touch on a little bit the how there were there were like good intentions being made but it ended up like causing things to go south like the firefighters doing their job and opening the woman's door and allowing her to be free like obviously like obviously you know i if i were a firefighter and i got that call i would open the woman's door but then that ultimately caused <sighs> to go down and everything to sort of break loose i mean the daughter was also sick as well so it would have broken loose anyway but i just i just wanted to to talk about that a little bit of times when when we have good intentions, but because we don't have any knowledge of the situation or we're just ignorant, um, it can cause just the situation to go downhill. Yeah, and I mean, 
one of the notes I took about this movie is at what point do you leave people behind to die? Because I feel like throughout the movie, the firefighters and the cops keep, or the cop keep doing their job, which results in arguably things getting even worse once they open the apartment door. Like, they send in that uh, guy from, I guess, the health department. They, they're they not too specific on it, the biohazard guy, to come run tests and see if everybody's okay. And you've got this intern who is trying to help these people who are, we know they're going to die. Like, looking at the images of them, there's there's no healing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they keep doing their jobs, and that arguably results in things getting even more chaotic by the end. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's sort of it's sort of interesting because um there there was like a duality of you know following orders doing what you're told and then like the fireman says he says he orders these men are dying but i'm like bro these men are dead also um the and the orders of the people outside they're doing their jobs they think they're doing what's right yeah and and we sort of have like this faceless these faceless people out there that seem like the villains that are just like keeping them trapped, but they're just doing their jobs. Like they, they're literally just told um, by their authorities that they need to keep these people in and, um, and everyone doing their prospective jobs actually led to their downfall in the building. But I mean, at, at the end of the day here, is it worth it? Because from what we know in these first two movies, I guess you can make the argument, end of the second one, but we'll get into that later. Um, the virus doesn't get out in the way that they were hoping it wouldn't. All they've done is turned this apartment building into a death trap for those inside, but they're still saving the neighbors, everybody outside. I mean, it's the whole lives of the few versus the lives of the many. Yeah, yeah, it's like, do we sacrifice these people's lives for everyone else, you know? And and it's, it's literally like... Uh, an argument of the greater good versus the individual. Um, like, uh, I spoke about this in, uh, my, in two episodes ago, but how, uh, I don't know if you know D and D well, but how like evil and good are defined and the alignments are good is, um, good is the interest in other people and the greater good. And then evil is just the interest in self. So if you go by that definition, then, you know, the people in the apartment were making evil choices because they were thinking about themselves, mm -hmm. but then the people outside were making good choices because they were thinking about the greater good. Going with the people in the apartment making, quote-unquote, evil decisions to try to escape, I feel like at the end, like in the last third of the movie, they are so desperate to get out of the apartment building that if they would have bunkered down in an apartment with nobody who was infected, they could have lived, if you're really going into what happens later on in the second movie, like at the end of the day, they're all responsible for their own downfall because they're trying so desperately to get out of the building that they're not bunkering themselves up in one apartment and making it impossible for the infected to get in that they could have lived, but they're so desperate at that point. Yeah. And that, that one, that one eccentric guy, he, he mentioned that as well. He was like, yeah, um, let's just stay in here and they'll come and get us out and we'll be fine. And that's what I was thinking the entire time, too. Like, people weren't just staying in one place. They were, like, moving around. They were following each other. They were, like, trying to figure things out. And I'm like, if you guys just stayed, stay in the lobby 
mm-hmm. and don't scatter around and just contain the infected. Like you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And, um, and yeah, if, if people didn't panic, I think panicking just causes any situation to get worse. When we're, when we're panicking, we're not thinking clearly and we're not thinking as a rational person. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're just thinking about our survival at that point and not about anything else. And so it was because they were all panicking. Like even the authority figures were in the building were panicking, um, towards the end. Um, well, the cop was panicking the entire time, uh, yeah. because he was filmed. He wasn't stable. <laughs> he, he was, he, well, he was filmed, uh, committing police brutality and that sort of makes, uh, yeah. uh, cops go a little, a little angry, you know? Um, it does. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would, th- I would, I would say so. I think so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think they were also panicking because they didn't know what was going on. I think if we, if we have knowledge of whatever is going on, then we were able to calm down and assess the situation. But it was because the people outside were so vague about what was happening. And they weren't giving them any information about this disease. Well, we wouldn't want to panic them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and I, I wonder why, like, well, we can get into that in the second one more, but they were so <sighs> secretive the entire time. Oh, yeah. And it made me so yep. mad. I'm like, just tell them what this is. Like, tell them, like, and then they waited for the guy to come in and they had to, like, press him to actually, like, tell them like but he said he had he didn't have authorization to tell them and they were like no 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 like this involves us now we are involved we get to know what is happening you know that that was the biggest thing that i saw that was like that was that was probably the biggest step i think was not telling them because it's not just a it's not just a normal flu it's not just a cold no that people are getting at that point you know like if they at know, that point we know it spreads to animals and people because of the offhanded comment about the dog. Yeah. Who we find out later is what's the dog's name? I know Max. The dog's name is Max. Yeah. And I can't tell you almost any other character's name in this movie, yeah, but I know the dog's either. name is Max. <laughs> uh the camera but, uh, guy's name is Pablo. Because she oh, says yes. it so many and times. And Angela Vidal because she said it a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean going back to that comment you made earlier about you don't know when things are going to become a disaster or go south. One of the notes I have here is so how do you know if you're sick, sick, or zombie sick in this movie? Because we've got a couple of characters who are sick, and they write it off as, oh, it's tonsillitis, or, oh, I just have a slight flu. And at that point, we know it's affecting at least three other people in the building. Yeah, I, well, if you have, like, a disease that isn't well known, then, like, it, it's so hard to know, because... Like when, when COVID broke out, people were, were like wondering about the symptoms and like some people were like, I think I have a cold. It might not be COVID. It might be COVID. I don't know. Uh, cause like the symptoms weren't really locked down yet until, you know, uh, the CDC came out with like the symptoms and stuff. But even then the symptoms are pretty similar to other sicknesses as well. So it's like, oh, yeah. it's, it, it, I mean, it's yeah. basically any viral infection you can get is a COVID symptom. So it's like, even after they announced the symptoms, it was like, well, I still don't know if I have a cold or if I have COVID. (laughs) I guess I need to go get tested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, um, so I, I think with, with diseases, 
it takes like getting tested. It takes like going to the doctor and they didn't have that luxury to, to, you know, schedule a doctor's no. appointment and, and see what's, what's going on with them, you know? Uh, except so, for Max. <laughs> yeah. Except for Max. But then he killed everyone's pet. So pretty much. <laughs> well, I want to I... see the, the found footage of that incident. Like, I think that <laughs> of <be> the vets <laughs> trying yes. to like run from the pets and the, <laughs> yes. The way they describe it in the movie. It's like, Oh man, I, I wish that was like a bonus feature. Or something <laughs> yeah. Like Please come out with rec five and it's just the pet. It's just the vet. <laughs> place where they're just trying um, to get away I would from... watch that so quick <laughs> it's so that'd be so good um also zombie dogs are freaking scarier than zombie humans so oh yes if i <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh yeah and i going along with that i i think it was also the not knowing that made the mom not want to give her daughter up and then yeah causing her daughter to bite her face um the little girl's acting in this movie is terrifying because like oh yeah i've seen this film a few times and i showed this film to my fiance which she had never seen it while we were watching it and the little girl's eyes in the scene before she bites the mom um she's waiting for an open opportunity and later on she does the same thing with another character where you're just watching her eyes wait for the opportunity yeah yep yeah and it it and it's sort of like going along with that it's sort of Yes. Can we talk about the uh, the fate of the mom? Because I feel like that is one of the most terrifying scenarios in this entire movie. Oh, yeah, getting handcuffed and then Uh having them come through. Yeah. Yeah. The guy Um, who has the keys is no longer there. (laughs) It's like, yep. Yeah. It's, (laughs) that would be awful. If I, like, if I'm just trapped um, with Infected coming towards me, yeah, that, that's, that's such an awful way to die. I was even Um, watching the, uh, the staircase this time when it happened to see like, okay, is it wooden or is it metal? Because if it's wooden, they could probably break that off. And I'm like, no, it's, it's metal. She's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's talk about just the frantic nature of just handcuffing people with no explanation. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to handcuff me, you, you better (sighs) explain why you're handcuffing me, you know? Yeah. Like it, 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 and that caused more panic because they were just they were just handcuffing people that were sick. I mean, they handcuffed the two uh, sick guys, but I mean, mm-hmm. they were well, still around them and <laughs> and were were in reaching distance to bite the intern, you know. Yeah, and they were, but then they just like straight up just handcuff the mom 
and no explanation. They're like, you gotta be handcuffed, sorry. Oh, they're coming through, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> it was just... One yeah, of them should have a yelled lot of stairs at her. You did this. <laughs> <laughs> you did this. <laughs> um, should have given up your daughter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it's a lot of it was just poorly uh, managed. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit of the the cop that was unhinged um, mm-hmm. because. As far as they know, he just shot an old woman in her apartment. Um, yeah, that was just like freaking out, and uh, and then like later on when they're all yelling at him because he's like, "We got to stay in here." <laughs> he points the gun at them, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, they were not threatening your life right there, homie. Like they they were no. <laughs> they're just as scared as you are." And I, I just I just thought that was interesting and. Um, if I had a camera, I would want to keep recording him too, you know? Yeah, you don't know what he's possibly going to do next, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, we've seen lots of things in the news to show that stuff happens. And, like, not just to show the cop, but also show the people locking us inside. Um, I would want to record. I want to I wanna know your thoughts on them continuing to record uh, the old woman, because she's, she's basically naked. Like, she's just yeah. wearing, like, a an oversized shirt and I feel like it was I I understand the reactions from the cops and especially the firefighters because I feel like the cops were more aggressive in telling them to turn off the camera whereas the firefighter like there's a really good scene where I can't remember if it's after the old woman gets shot the first time or the second time because she's a bullet sponge she keeps popping (laughs) back up Um, but at one point the old woman gets shot one of the many times she gets shot in this movie. And the cop walks out, basically on the verge of a nervous breakdown, sees the cameraman, almost assaults him, leaves the apartment, and the firefighter's following right behind him, and the firefighter just gives him this look of, really? To the cameraman. Yeah. Like, didn't say anything. His his eyes said it all. Yeah, yeah. The acting continuously was just great in this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it's sort of like this line of like what what is ethical for you to record and what isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And to to a degree I can understand why the cop shot the old lady because he just saw his his partner get his face ripped off. Uh chunk of his by the old the, lady. The effects in this movie are fantastic. Oh yeah, like the makeup is it, like whenever there's gore makeup and I feel sick while looking at it, I know that's good gore makeup. Oh yeah, it really sells the realism of the entire situation. Yeah, so I just I just thought that was um, interesting. Oh, uh, speaking of like realism, the the realistic nature that they set up of of like actually filming things, like at the beginning, <laughs> this made me so mad. At the beginning, there was like people walking by, mm-hmm. and they they like saw the camera and they were like looking at the camera like what what are they recording? And that's happened so many times when I'm shooting a movie. Like just, just people walking by and they, they want, they're so nosy that they want to know what you're recording, but they, and they want to be nice, but they don't know, they don't understand that they're being a hindrance to the recording process because they're not a part of the film. Uh, they're like, don't make mess up your shot here, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, sidetracking a little bit. We were, we were filming a Cannon Abel short and, uh, we were up on this like mountain 
mm-hmm. and this father and two boys were walking by, and uh, that Cain and Abel were dressed like biblically and stuff, and um, and they walk by, they walk up to us. They're like, "Hey, sorry to interrupt your shot." And it's golden hour, by the way, so we have like an hour to to shoot this shot. <laughs> uh, and and they're like, "Sorry to interrupt your shot." Um, my boys were wondering if like you guys were like. Nephi and like Laman and Lemuel and we were like no it's Cain and Abel and they were like okay cool 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 and then they just stood there and we were like cool bro um nice talking to you uh get out of the shot please yeah it was it just made me think of that um and then and then like how the setup was uh how they were like testing the sound um and how she would tell him like if this guy's boring, just cut, just cut the shot. I don't yeah. want to waste the tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then how the mom, the mom was like answering the daughter's questions and ruining the sound. <laughs> I just loved how they added that realistic nature of actually filming within the movie. It was really cool. I like how they told her, well, you can be interviewed here in a minute. Well, why would I need to be interviewed? I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she was definitely a Karen. Oh yes. Uh, before the, before the term was coined, uh, 10 years later. Um, but yeah, timely. I, I just thought, yeah, I just thought that, uh, that was really cool that they did that. And we, we sort of touched on this a little bit, but if people, if people were sick and dying in there, mm-hmm. why would they not send in any, any paramedics or like people to help? Like they sent the health inspector guy or whatever, but they didn't send in like they, they had a firefighter and a cop in there. And they didn't send in any, like, paramedics or medical professionals that would know how to properly, like, take care of mortal wounds. The issue Um, that uh, they might have with this, too, is that, and it's not confirmed fully until the second film, they might not have the cure for this. And it might just be one of those, okay, let it burn itself out, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, which sucks. Yeah, I mean. It's literally just. It's it's not even being wrong place wrong time. Like no. the wrong place wrong time is your house in the <laughs> middle of the night. Yep, like, I mean people are at their houses in the middle of the night. Uh, slightly not zombie related, but related in the sense of uh, plagues, pandemics, and whatnot. Um, in the video game Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they have a side mission, and in that game, the side missions affect what happens later in the game, where you've got this family who is all sick with some sort of illness. They don't know what it is. And your option is let the soldiers kill the family and potentially protect the rest of the island or let the family go on their way, kill the soldiers. The family doesn't deserve to die. And my fiance and I did completely different outcomes on that where she let the family live. I let the family die because I'm typically more sadistic in video games like that. And she got screwed at the end because this entire island had been wiped out by a plague because they hadn't killed these five people. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's the same concept here. Do you let the entire building die out and potentially protect countless lives? Or do you value their lives as much as you value the lives of people outside of the building? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just sort of like, it's just sort of like, well, you guys are the ground zero for this virus. Well, yep. technically ground one, I suppose, because it was yep. in Columbia first. Yeah, but, and then you got patient zero uh, in the attic, which we'll go into that later, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah we will. Uh, um, but the the it just it just sucks. It's just not like a good situation. 
No, there's and there's no right or feel, wrong answer. You feel to that. <laughs> you feel bad for them, but at the same time, like if like I know if I was living in a world where that was happening, and let's say like I was living next to the apartment complex that this was happening in, mm-hmm. I would be like, keep them the hell in there, bro. <laughs> like I'm not. I don't want. I'm not getting sick. Like <laughs> they they got sick. That's on them, bro. Like <laughs> I know I I know I would be thinking that, and I know yeah. so many people would be thinking the same thing. Like and it's it's sort of it's sort of different in a video game. Because, like, your life isn't at stake. Yeah. But when your life is at stake and the other people's lives around you is at stake and the whole world is at stake, like, you make different decisions, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, I just thought... Um, Flipping that I on its head. It was... uh, so I know that we would be re- reacting that way outside of the apartment building, and a lot of people would be reacting that way outside of the apartment building. How would we be reacting if we were in the apartment building? Like, do you feel like we would make the same choices that these characters do, or <laughs> no? I, I, well, I feel like me personally, mm-hmm. I would be, I would probably be nosy to an extent, but the minute I saw, like. The minute I saw the two infected, like, coming through the back entrance, mm-hmm. um, I would be up in my room and waiting it out. <laughs> yes. I would not be sticking around down there. I would be, like, I wouldn't just be standing and watching like they were doing. Yeah. I, but then again, you know, you never know how you react in those situations. You wouldn't go into um, a uh, the landlord's darkened apartment frantically searching every room for a key, which I feel is the most stressful sequence <laughs> in this film. <laughs> You're looking at all the yeah, toys. Well, it could be in any one of those. <laughs> I mean, just going back, just stay, just stay in a room. Stay yeah. in a room. Like, let them sort this out. And and it's sort of like it's sort of like how people were reacting when COVID first hit. Mm-hmm. Is like people were like, I I want to go outside, and it's like, stay inside, bro. You can't you tell me what to do. do. Is sit at home. <laughs> all you have to do is stay at home, and that's basically all they had to do. Yeah, is is not go outside. That was too difficult. You asked too much of them. <laughs> yeah. And and you watch the movie and you think, yeah, it's it's easy. Just stay inside. But then but then in real life, you know, people people don't do the rational Whoa. thing anyway. So after COVID, every zombie movie uh, I've ever seen makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it really did. Um and I'm monetizing off of that baby. <laughs> uh no, I'm using the little money I get from this to help with films, but oh, that's uh, awesome, anyway, so let us talk about the ending scene. <laughs> um, so uh, Patient Zero mm-hmm. is up there, titties out, just walking around in the dark, and but they're like li- they like listen to this tape first, and then we learn that this doctor was trying to, um trying to make a cure yeah um and i i didn't i i'm not sure is the guy that was trying to make the cure the asian families like the asian daughter asian girl's father yeah because they were talking about it yeah uh yeah uh because um in the second doesn't film, he doesn't he like die? They, Does they he show like get him, infected and die? Which yeah. we'll we'll go more into that in that second yeah. film discussion. But in the um, second film, we find out what happened. Yeah, to him. and so, yeah. um, which I want to talk a little bit about the 
the Asian family and the yeah. complex. But they find his um, body later yeah, on. Yeah, they yep. so they find out that he's trying to make a cure, and that he went too far, and it caused an outbreak. So their dog got infected, the old woman got infected, and then everything was mm-hmm. sort of over. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the Asian, yeah, yeah like Asian Zero the, up in the Asian attic. Grandfather, is just nightmare was, fuel. Like, or Asian dad, like, um, he was in bed sick, but that's all we really I don't, about him. I don't know why she yeah. was screaming, because if I was Pablo and I was looking at that through the camera, I would be pissing oh, and yeah. in my One of the scariest images simultaneously. I've ever seen <laughs> he's like, he, he, he's like he's he, he, you you don't understand what is in this room with us. Yeah, he multiple times was so like, good. Like, oh my gosh! Um, he's yeah. like, you're not seeing yeah. what and I'm that, seeing that here. That makeup and and just how they did it was so well done. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, going back to the Asian family, um. I I enjoyed well, I don't enjoy racism. Uh let's put that out there. But I enjoyed how they showed that uh like racism in different countries. Um like how they were racist towards Asian people in Spain. And <laughs> um and like they were even like bl- Yeah. Yeah. And they were blaming oh, this yeah. disease on on them. I, I mean it was Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They had all and sorts of things. This to movie's say. so <laughs> relevant today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I had some and flashbacks for sure. Like, it was the dad's fault. Yeah. Which, you know. It like really that, is. It, it, did, it wasn't because it did he was nothing Asian, but grow you know? more timely. And over you, the last you could tell, like, they were, they were definitely the outsiders of. Um, if anything, mm-hmm. it was because he was a priest. Um, yeah. Um, but it, no. it was, I, I just really, um, I really like that aspect of it and within the story. And I also, yeah, I, you know, you know, you never think about yep. it because America is so centralized in media. Um, but like an Asian person speaking Spanish, but having an Asian accent is so cool to like hear and listen to. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, there's a there's a comedian who's one of my favorite comedians to, called uh, <laughs> yeah. Tom Segura, yeah. and he's it's, uh, as white so as I thought that was interesting. Um, fluent Spanish and was talking about like a bunch of different races. Uh, yeah. So I kind of want to touch on that a little it, bit. You've got everybody um, speaking Spanish. Do you have there. anything else to like. talk about? So, yeah. uh, anything? Any yeah. other situations or dilemmas that you mm-hmm. noticed that we didn't bring up? Yeah. Um, I guess um, we'll talk about this, this a little bit. The second film where we the, do the see the mom of the little girl in the face. A few times, but would you shoot this old woman in the face or this little girl? That's something that I wrote. I don't. I don't know. No, no the uh, the old woman, the bullet sponge. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
got like, knocked in the face with a mallet it, it, by the firefighter at one point. Like she takes it a honestly depends on the situation. And if I knew she was a zombie, all in an effort to not be killed. Yeah, probably. But then you kind of get into yeah. the idea I mean, that like they're not Walking Dead zombies; like they're still alive. Yeah, yeah, they're still mm-hmm. they're still alive, but they. They're killing people. No, and so they're, they're closer to the It's sort of this thing of later. like, okay, do we like just try yeah. to contain them and cause more people to die uh, until we can get a vaccine, or do we just kill them now and get a vaccine yeah. later? You know, um, if I but if I knew she was a zombie with my extensive zombie knowledge, I would probably just kill her. Um, I'd probably just shoot her. Uh, the little girl is a different story. Mm-hmm. I mean. They, they mentioned that blood type is a factor in how quickly you change. And that little girl changed... Um, yeah. Well, she, she was sort of changing throughout the movie. But after she bit... Yeah. After she bit the mom, she changed... Uh, she, like, finished her transformation yep. pretty quickly. Um, but, like, the intern changed almost immediately. She uh, took a while. And so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, yeah. So, I would pro- if I knew about the little girl, mm-hmm. I'd probably try to contain her. So did the uh, the biohazard suit you guy. Do? He was pretty quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think with the old woman, that would be a case of yeah, I'd shoot the old woman. She's at this point you've seen her rip out someone's throat. She's a danger with the little girl i don't think i could and we never see anybody in the film shoot the little girl it comes close but the most we see containment wise for her is a cop gets Mm -hmm. bitten says i'm infected grabs her she's fighting him every step of the way and locks himself and her in a room together which yeah i I also appreciate how the health guy locked himself in so he's basically Um, condemning himself to which a pretty awful fate which that. yeah and one thing shoot the girl. that boggles my mind is how they were yeah. not wary of infected people like like even even at the beginning with yeah. the cop he was standing next to this woman he that immediately was just knew like, what to do like even if i didn't know she was a zombie i would still be like i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my distance from you because you're you're not you're not acting like a real person right now you know like and so it was it was just the fact that like these people were so Take a few steps like, back. Like, nonchalantly, just, like, around these infected, and then they would get bit. Um. No, not no. No. Bro, another thing! This is crazy. Um. Yeah. Nobody was socially yeah, distancing. For sure. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I, I guess it just depends on the situation if I. They're all just I standing together like, in big groups the entire time. Saw you know, the wisest my decision to make get his face ripped off. And she was coming at me. Um, I mean, I don't want to get my face ripped off, you know. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From a pure filmmaking. Oh, go go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, from a pure filmmaking standpoint, yeah. something I do want to mention is 
I hate jump scares it, for the most the, part. How they do the jump scares movies. is like, I feel like sort of like you can see like it coming, but you also can't see it coming. An easy way to try to get someone's you know, you know something's about to happen, but, the jump but you don't know when, you don't know what is about to happen. But you know, so like, well some, like and so well executed, and it's never a fake out. It's always yeah. something you legitimately <laughs> yeah, because because it's so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, oh, and we'll we'll talk about more in uh in the next rec movie about yeah. what all all the people that were up there and why they were up there and what when the dude sticks his camera up through um, the attic door. So, you yeah. know how that scene is going to end. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, well, if we don't have anything else, uh, we'll have a short musical interlude and come back with the moral dilemma. Oh yeah, and how they even they replicate a scene from this movie in Rec 2, and it has a different outcome, and I kind of think it's hilarious. So. Alright, so here's your moral dilemma, Derek. Sure. So, um, sort of same question that we were talking about before, but, uh, what would you do if you were a soldier and were ordered to kill an innocent person? Do I have context on this at all, or is it just a direct order? I, I'll i say you don't have context, just because there's so many different contexts you can have um, in that situation. I, I I mean, you know they're innocent. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. like, you're just ordered to kill people in this area, no matter what, but you know, like, they're not doing anything wrong, they're innocent. That is a tough one. This is going to sound awful. I would think, yes... Because I imagine there would be a purpose behind it, but if I were to go on to find out that there was no purpose, and it was, say, like, a test of loyalty or just a war crime at that point, I don't think I would be able to live with myself. So it'd be like an in-the-moment, yes, aftermath might have a different outcome. And it's sort of hard because when you're a soldier, you're, you're trained to just follow orders. You know, you follow, you follow your orders and like, they train you sort of simply, like you do 10 pushups if your sergeant tells you to do 10 pushups, you know, and, and things like that. And it's like, yeah. And so they basically like train you to be compliant and, um, yep. and so it's already hard to get out of that mindset as well as if you don't follow orders, then you're, then you're discharged um, on what's it called? Dishonorably discharged. If you if you continue to not follow orders and disobey your commanding officers, and so there's there's that social aspect of it too, for when you come back home. Um, but then if you do it, then you're faced with the guilt of killing innocent people. You know, I my and I imagine PTSD for life. Yeah, my heart definitely goes out to soldiers that were put in those situations because. <sighs> You, it's it's such a choice to have, you know, um, but yeah. it sort of goes along with you know orders and do you follow orders depending on the situation? Like when do you not follow orders? You know things like that. That is a huge theme in this movie, so that's why I asked the question. Um, obviously, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, actually, it's sort of like a wrong and wrong answer, or like a. Yeah, goes back to, like, the Milgram experiments mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, well, uh, well, thank you for being on this episode, Derek. Uh, Absolutely, Derek, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, Derek will also be um, on the next three Rec movie episodes, so uh, you can look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a good day, night, whatever time you're listening to this. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Feed Don't Your Brain. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Feed Don't Your Brain. You can also follow us on Twitter at Zacky the Zombie. Also, feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at feeddon'twityourbrain at gmail.com. You can also follow Fortune Horseman on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can donate to our Patreon page called Feed Don't Your Brain on Patreon. Thank you all for listening, and stay safe and stay sane.